Tappers, what's up? It is the Wednesday edition of the Daily Tap. Hope you're doing well. Hanging in there. We have a good show today. We are going to hand out awards based on the cuts. So it's the 53-man awards. Let's call it that. Packers Packers 53-man awards. We are also going to talk about the Milwaukee Brewers and why this week gives them confidence against the San Francisco Giants. Lastly, we will talk about Green Bay and the relocation game and how that will likely help the Packers against the New Orleans Saints. If you hear some background noise, the crows are con. We have some crow crow action here. I have the windows open as it's a lovely day to start September or Craig Timber. However, you do celebrate the month of September. Uh, it usually depends on if you're football or baseball fan. Uh, we have a lot of sports coming down the pipeline here, really starting tomorrow. So very excited for that. You probably want to get on board with all of our social media accounts, tapping the keg on all of them. Uh, or well, it's tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram and TikTok. Um, and then we will also have blogs, podcasts, the whole thing. Um, we are going to do some fun stuff on social. Look for it on Thursday, tomorrow. so tomorrow, um, a little bit of a new segment on social. Something we did here on the podcast, we're going to bring to social. Might still do it on the podcast. I'm not going to be with Mitch on Friday. So we'll, we'll probably try to do both. That's always a hard thing for me. It's like, do I do it on both? Do I feed both geese or do I just do it on one? Um, and, and it doesn't involve sports betting. Yes, it does. So look forward to that. Um, we will get all of that in the mix. I'm very excited to do it all. I'm very excited for the football season to start. Um, we are going to talk about the Green Bay Packers. Like I said, the 53-man awards. Let's give those out. And then we will talk about the Brewers. And then back to talking a little bit about Packer relocation. It'll be like a Packer sandwich. I don't know if there's any breads that are famous in Green Bay, but that is basically what we're doing. We're doing a bread of Green Bay with a little meat of Milwaukee. Meat of Milwaukee, obviously, is a brat. So I guess it's a hot dog bun, if you will. All right. <laughs> Let's waste no more time. Let's talk about the Green Bay Packers and their 53-man roster. So Green Bay had to have their 53-man roster out on Tuesday. Admittedly, this was a little weird for me because I'm always used to the 53-man roster coming out over Labor Day weekend. In fact, as a blogger, podcaster, someone who does this a little more on their free time versus their full time, I've always seen it as kind of a wrench, right? Like, I don't usually do podcasts on the weekend. I usually... I do a few blogs maybe on Saturday and Sunday, but it's few and far between. It's not as much as it probably should be, if we're being honest. But the fact of the matter is, is that always sort of affected the, you know, the process, right? Like I never really was able to do a lot on the 53-man roster. Well, with the three preseason games, they changed, you know, when the cuts were to happen. So Green Bay made their 53-man roster here on Tuesday. They had till three o'clock yesterday to make all their decisions on their roster and they have came up with it. And so now basically the teams get almost 10 days, right? To practice together as as team, which is great. I think that's a really good move by the NFL. Actually, the Packers get more than that. They get, uh, yeah, about 10 days because if you take the 11th as, the, as a sort of a walkthrough day 
and then the first game is on the 12th. So every team gets about at least seven days because you'll have Tampa and Dallas playing on Thursday night, but everybody else will get a full 10 days to really practice with their 53-man roster. It also gives Green Bay and other teams the opportunities to make any moves that they see fit. You know, I know Green Bay has a lot of questions about their long snapper. They didn't move on Hunter Bradley. A bunch of guys got released, so I would not be surprised if Green Bay goes down that route and gets a new long snapper. What I did want to do was give out some awards for the 53-man roster and kind of talk through a few guys who got cut, a few guys who are staying, and kind of go offense-defense. We'll vacillate between the two as we go. A couple offense, a couple defense, and we'll we'll go forward with that. Um, so let's get into it. The Joe Callahan Award goes to Kurt Banghurt. Look, I don't understand the fan obsession with third-string quarterbacks. I don't get it, um, but Packer fans seem to always obsess over a third-string quarterback. Who can forget the Joe Callahan love of years years ago, where everybody thought Joe Callahan was this future quarterback that was going to be great for the Green Bay Packers. Joe Callahan turned out to be an absolute nobody. Um, he Obviously, Jordan Love gets drafted. We have not heard about Joe Callahan since. While Kurt Banger showed some things and he looks like a maybe a competent backup, he was not a guy that I thought the Packers would keep. I know Don Mikowski, the magic man, wanted them to keep three quarterbacks. Well, of course, Don Mikowski is going to ride for a quarterback. That's not surprising. So I'm I'm not like shocked that he lost the job, and I'm not shocked if he comes back to the practice squad because who would blame him? That of course he'd want to join Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love and go hang out with those guys for an entire season and provide them notes and work in that quarterback room. I think any time you could spend a year learning from Aaron Rodgers, you would take that opportunity in a heartbeat. But let's be real. The reason why everybody likes a third-string quarterback is they're usually Caucasian and they usually bring back memories of them playing in Mosinee. The we might have the best running game in football award goes to the Packers running back trio. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Keelan Hill are going to be a real problem for opposing teams. I don't think people understand how good the Packers running attack is going to be this season. I think it's getting talked about a little bit. I heard Peter Schreiger on Bill Simmons' podcast last week talk through it. It's, it's definitely something that will be more of a thing as the months go on. I think if I could predict storylines after the first four weeks of the season, which Actually, kind of sounds like a good podcast topic. I think one of them will be the Packers running attack is virtually unstoppable. And that teams are really struggling with the three-headed monster. Because that is exactly what it is. Now, the fantasy fuckboys of the world are going to say, Oh, Aaron Jones is going to get carries taken away and yada, yada, yada. First of all, those guys can go fuck off. Like, I just, I have no time for that. I like fantasy football, but I truly do not care about Aaron Jones's carries. And I think some of the hand-wringing about Aaron Jones' carry, Aaron Jones's carries is due to people playing fantasy football. Nothing else. I'm sorry, Matt Barry. I know it's your job. I, I like Matt Barry. I respect him. But, like, let's, let's just be honest here, okay? Um, A.J. Dillon, Kylan Hill, like, that's a great combination of guys. Aaron Jones, injury prone in the past. Aaron Jones, kind of fragile, smaller guy. He needs to get some balance there. And this can kind of keep 
Aaron Jones in the garage until you really need to unleash him come the, down the stretch and the postseason. Moving to defense, the award for the first name that had the most surprising players on the 53-man roster, Tyler. I cannot believe Ty Summers and Tyler Lancaster are both on this team. I did not see this coming at all. Like I thought at least one of those guys would go. There was a lot of love for Jack Heflin. He plays the same position as Tyler Lancaster. The Packers apparently wanted that depth up front in their defensive line, so they kept both guys. Both stay on the team. Ty Summers, as we'll get to another award here in a second, is part of five middle linebackers that are on the Green Bay Packer roster. Again, Ty Summers, to me, is no more than a special teamer. Maybe that is why he's kept. Um, but to me, I feel like Ty Summers had to be one of the last guys they decided to keep on. And he's a seventh-round pick. He has started a few games. But I don't feel good whenever Ty Summers is in the game. Ty Summers leaves me queasy. There are only a few guys where I see them on the field and I think, oh, shit. Ty Summers is definitely an oh, shit guy. It was like... A few years ago when Don Bar it could be the Don Barclay Award. That's what Ty Summers is, right? When you saw Don Barclay on the field, you were like, fuck, that's not going to be good. That's kind of how I feel when Ty Summers is actually playing meaningful snaps. When he's out there running around doing special teams, laying a big hit, good for him. But not the, not the oh, Ty Summers is in the game at inside linebacker. Just cannot have that. Another defensive award, the local hard knocks award cut goes to KB on Eno. I think everybody thought KB on Eno would make the team. There was a lot of hype around him, a lot of love. He definitely was a talked about player throughout this preseason. But I think at the end of the day, Green Bay had their corners set up. They had almost too many corners, if you will. I could see Ento going back to the practice squad. I also could see a team looking at what he did in this preseason and taking a chance on his 53-man roster. Remember, Green Bay traded away Kadar Hallman, who got cut thanks for the seventh-round pick, Texans, um, as well as others who, who did not make the team. So they were loaded in the cornerback position. And so I'm not surprised that Eno's off the team on my end. I think there are people who are more casual that are like, oh, I can't believe Eno didn't make the team. Yeah, they were just too loaded at the cornerback position in terms of their depth, which is a good thing. You want to be you want to be deep at corner. That's what the Packers are. So not necessarily surprised on my end that Eno didn't make the team, but that's just where, where I think we are. The... No, Lucas Patrick is not getting cut award goes to the offensive line. So Lucas Patrick was a guy I think a lot of people thought might be on the cut list. That did not happen. Um, Lucas Patrick stays on the team. I never doubted that Lucas Patrick would be off the team. He's an A, he's an Aaron Rodgers guy. So I think right now we're trying not to piss Aaron Rodgers off. I think if you wanted to set Aaron Rodgers off, you would have probably released Lucas Patrick. He also was named a captain in the second game of the preseason. And I know where Lane and Wayne and Larry talked about that, where they're like, are they really going to cut a guy they named captain on a preseason team? Yes, he's taken a step back. Yes, he's more of a utility guy. Royce Newman probably beat him out for the right guard job. But I don't think Lucas Patrick is going 
to not have a role on this team. Like, I think Lucas Patrick will be a guy they rotate in. I could see Lucas Patrick maybe getting a start if Newman struggles early on because game speed of regular season versus preseason is extremely different. Um, also, David Bakhtiari on the on the pup, they will survive that. I've talked about that on the mini keg, but they have the talent. They're just going to be really young in the middle, and that's the worry, right? I worry more about the inside than I do the outside. Elton Jenkins, Billy Turner will do a fine job at the tackle position. I just worry John Runyon, Josh Myers, and Royce Newman is a young middle interior line. But it is the future of maybe the offensive line for the Green Bay Packers. So you could look at this as a jump start to the future. Aaron Rodgers knows how to navigate a pocket. But I do get queasy when you do have to face a decent New Orleans pass rush, a good revived San Francisco pass rush, maybe the best one in the league against Pittsburgh and Chicago. Like those are all games Bakhtiari is going to miss. Those are tough ones. So Aaron Rodgers could get a few more dings than he did last season. The EQ Jamon Disappointment Award goes to Equanimous St. Brown. Uh, the Green Bay Packers rebuilt their wide receiver core in 2018, and it, it just didn't really work. Um, they had Jamon Moore, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Equanimous St. Brown all drafted. They were all supposed to be the guys. They were all supposed to come in and replace Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, and that was sort of the role of those draft picks. Never happened. Jamon Moore was a huge bust. Now, I know that people could say, well, fourth round picks are unpredictable. I totally agree. You can get it. Fourth round to me is the biggest crapshoot round in the NFL draft. I don't have stats on that. Maybe we need to let Nolan Murphy crunch some numbers here. But the fact of the matter is, is like you can get a guy like David Bakhtiari in the fourth round, but you can also get a guy like Jamon Moore or D'Angelo Yancey or DJ, was DJ Williams a fourth round pick? I think DJ Williams was a fourth round pick. You can get some utter disappointments in the fourth round as well. So it is a complete crapshoot. Um, now EQ is also gone. I'm not really surprised that EQ is gone. He just never could stay healthy. I think Aaron Rodgers did like him. I think he got frustrated with him at times. I think the frustration with EQ early on was more Aaron Rodgers frustrated that his guys were gone. Um, just given this commentary that we heard this year, it's not. it wouldn't be a surprise to me if the whole reason he didn't like, not necessarily didn't like, but he was a lot tougher on a guy like MVS or... EQ was due to the fact that they were replacing some of his best friends. So that does not surprise me. Also note on Reggie Bellington, he just ran out of room. Malik Taylor was great. They weren't going to keep seven wide receivers. I would not be. I would actually be surprised if he makes the practice squad. I just get a lot of Travis Fulgham vibes. Like if I were a team like the Texans or I was a team like the Jaguars, Lions, right, who might need a wide receiver, that's a guy I would look at as potentially an option. He had a pretty good preseason. I think that's a guy who could get scooped up and actually make a 53-man roster. Other defensive awards, like I alluded to it, we're really keeping five inside linebackers award. Yes, Green Bay is keeping five inside linebackers. I'm not a huge fan of keeping everyone. Like I said, I would have sunset it. Summers. Now, not trying to be a pun there, but see, I, I have it in my notes. I'm like, I would have sunset Summers, <laughs> but seriously, I just don't. I don't get five linebackers. I understand. Maybe it's just they were sick and tired of not having the depth at inside linebacker, and that's what it is. 
Devondre Campbell and Chris Barnes will start, and then you'll have Ty Su- Oren Burks as probably a backup who I think will get time, and then you have Ty Summers, you have Isaiah McDuffie. Uh, to me, I think once Isaiah McDuffie can kind of assume a lot of the stuff that Ty Summers does on special teams, and once they feel Isaiah McDuffie is ready, they will probably make a move on Ty Summers. I'd be very surprised if Ty Summers is still on this team in October. He might be, but I would be shocked if that's the case because they have roster moves. They keep seeing guys that are available. They keep filling holes because of injuries. I just think Ty Summers is one of those guys who's still on the bubble. Like if I were him and his family, I'd be like, I'm here. But like he did an Instagram post. He's like, run it back. I was like, dude, should you really be running Instagram posts right now? Like, you are on the cut line still, buddy. Like, this could easily go wrong for you. So I would not count your chickens before the hatch. I know you made the team. I know you're excited, but let's be real. Award for most regrettable but understandable cut is Christian Uphoff. I like Christian Uphoff a lot. I think Christian Uphoff is going to be a fucking stud. I think he's going to be a really good player. I liked him out of college. If you go back, if you ever want to go back and listen to Murph and I's draft podcast, I talked about how I thought Christian Upoff was a sneaky, underrated, late-round guy. He was undrafted. Um, I would love if he made the practice squad. I don't think he will, though. I think there's going to be teams who will pick him up. I can see him being good. But I also really understand the cut because they had four four safeties who were all pretty good. Like, Obviously, we know about Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos, but like Henry Black showed some shit. So did Vernon Scott. Like those guys are good. Like they are really good backups. I wonder if they can contribute as sort of a rotating secondary thing. They're definitely special teamers, no question about it. I just with the uh, with Uphoff, I think he's going to be good. I just understand it, but I also am frustrated by it. If that makes any sense. The weirdest trade award, obviously J.K. Scott getting traded for Corey Borquez. Well, J.K. Scott didn't get traded. Uh, he it was draft picks. Packers traded for a punter, Corey Borquez. Now the punter for the Green Bay Packers. A lot harder to say than J.K. Scott. Thinking about my man Notch, who I believe, I don't think he changed his Tim Mastay jersey because uh, J.K. Scott assumed Tim Mastay is number nine. Um, so he never changed it. Borquez, easily the hardest name to pronounce in the kicking and punting relationship. The dude has a leg. He did not really do well in Buffalo last year. And with Los Angeles, he was just okay. Um, He lost that starting job as well. So that's why the Rams were able to trade him. So I don't know what Green Bay is going to be doing punting-wise, but this is where they'll start. It does concern me that there's a little uncertainty with the punting game. I do think that is a headline starting week one, um, that they might not have a great punter. And I understand the idea of like, well, we'll score all the time, so we don't have to worry about it. Special teams matter. It's like, uh, as much as it annoys me, I had a very old uh, football coach who was very adamant about how good special teams was and how important it was. And I I really never forgot it. And how I watched some games and I'm like, oh man, if we would have just made one or two more special teams plays, it could be an entirely different game. So field position matters. I'm very big on field position. And if Borquez can't necessarily flip the field on multiple times then that's a real issue so he's going to need be needed at times maybe not as much but still it's it's an important role for the green bay packers and yes 
I'd practice his name and how to pronounce it because if you don't, you're an absolute liar. Because I had no idea how to pronounce. I first time through was absolutely brutal, uh, but I, but we got through. We soldiered on. All right, let's finish up a few awards before we talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. The hopefully Aaron Rodgers isn't pissed award goes to Br- Bronson Kafusi. Kafusi did not make the team. Not surprised. They had a ton of tight ends. Um, our guy Daphne. Uh, they have Mercedes Lewis. They have. Josiah Degura, they have Robert Tanyan. They're loaded at tight end. We will see about Jay Sternberger. He's suspended for the first two games. We'll see if Sternberger stays on the team. I think they should keep Sternberger, but who knows? I mean, that's a lot of tight ends already. Are they really going to keep five tight ends? I don't know. Um, I have no idea there. I do think if Jace gets caught, I think there there'll be a lot of teams that are interested in him. He has the body and the size. To be a good tight end. Maybe it's a trade. I don't know. Maybe Green Bay looks at a, a trade opportunity for Jace as well. But I do think Jace has a future with this team. And I hope they don't give up on him. And that will do it for our awards. So I was like, let's knock out these awards and get the Brewers. I thought we had two left. But that was those were all the awards. Congrats to all the winners. Um, it is, it's a good roster. Um, I, I don't think that it's a roster that I'm frustrated with. I think there were a few surprises. Your Intos, your Ben Braden. Ben Braden, I think, was the biggest surprise, honestly. Over Jake Hansen getting that job over him. I guess they valued Jake Hansen's ability to play center and guard. But there wasn't anything where I was like stunned by it. I mean, obviously, I didn't like the up-off move. I don't understand the Ty Summers and Ty Lancaster thing. But it, it's not... It, the roster is a Super Bowl roster, Okay. We, we knew that from the start. We didn't need the 53-man cut down to tell us that. But this Green Bay team is going to be good this season. I look forward to seeing them against New Orleans. I look forward to them full strength. I do think there is a narrative that is brewing. Uh, Mitch mentioned to it on the, the morning of my wedding where we're watching Packer Bills and he goes, if they struggle out the gates, the amount of people that are going to be like, well, they didn't play any preseason, so this is why is going to be very, very loud. Um, I hope that is not the case. I don't think it should be, uh, but maybe that's a podcast topic for another time and get it get ahead of that narrative as we like to do here on Tapping the Keg. All right, let's talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. So Milwaukee Brewers are rolling. They've won three straight games. They've won two against the San Francisco Giants. They held the Giants to two runs. They've held the Giants in total to three runs in this series. The Brewers are playing pretty damn well uh, as we speak. Uh, they Lorenzo Cain hit a big home run. They had multiple guys with two hits, Yelich, Narvaez, uh, William Adamas. And the Brewers are building confidence against a Giants team. Remember, they lost two out of three to the San Francisco Giants earlier this month. Now it's September, but work with me. It was in October or in August. Not, don't want to put the cart, cart before the horse there. But the Milwaukee Brewers kind of looked tight. Like I, I came away from that series and I said, you know what? This team doesn't look like they're ready for prime time. Like they kind of crumbled against a really good team. And that is kind of disappointing and kind of scary. After all the success they had early on in the year against the Padres and the Dodgers, they really didn't live up to the bright lights against the Giants in early August. And so now you have these two games, Burns is impeccable, Woodruff shuts everybody down, and now I can kind of look at it and say, all right, they can beat these guys. And I think the Brewers needed to see that they could beat these guys. 
The Giants are relentless. I mean, the how the Giants had multiple opportunities where this game could have been six to three. This game could have ended up being six to four. Brandon Belt was on with two out, two on, one out. Jake Cousins, great job. Jake Cousins is an underrated piece to the Brewers bullpen. He is. I worry a little bit about his lemon booty, but I do think Jake Cousins can pitch in mid leverage situations come playoff time. So he was able to take care of Brandon Belt in that one and keep it at 6-1, not make it 6-4, not make it 6-3, and stay at 6-1. You had Wilmer Flores, who had a home run in the ninth. So then it's 6-2. They got a runner on. Like The Giants keep coming at you, but what the Brewers did better this time around was just center themselves. They didn't allow the Giants to have the big inning. They let... Yeah, the Giants got a few hits, but they just kind of ignored it, right? They kind of blocked out the noise. And that's credit to the Brewers pitching staff. And I think the confidence here with the Brewers is a really good thing. And it's powerful to win on the road. I think this shit matters. Like, I I, I really do. Seeing yourself win in a place where you might play in the playoffs gives you a great amount of confidence that you can do it again come October. That to me is is important right there, okay? Like I, I believe this in the NBA, I believe this in the NFL. Like to me, I, I'm looking back at like the Levi Stadium, right? Going staying in that area of town where the Packers struggled in San Francisco and they obviously won last year. But to have that sort of like bad juju of like, oh, we never win here, or oh, this place is the house of horrors. Like the Brewers lost three or four of the Giants. Like, let's just say that. And I would be like, well, okay. So now you've only beat the Giants two times out of seven. That to me tells tell that tells me the Giants kind of have your number, and that the Giants are a team you don't want to see in the playoffs. Now after two games, I'm like, all right, they they kind of have a good book on the Giants. They have a good book on their offense. They took advantage of their pitching staff being in flux because of COVID because they lost Alex Wood yesterday. They Johnny Cueto was supposed to start on Monday. He ended up starting Tuesday. Now they'll go Gosman and Webb to finish it off with the Brewers going Anderson and Lauer. So that's obviously an advantage to the Giants. Now Gosman's been up and down for the last month. He hasn't been as good as he's been to start the year. Like Gosman had some real Cy Young hype around the All-Star break and that has cooled off. Um, Logan Webb's been incredible. Logan Webb, to me, is their future ace. Like, Logan Webb is sort of their young star, their Freddie Peralta, their Corbin Burns. So there's some debate whether you start Logan Webb on on Thursday because they're playing the Los Angeles Dodgers for the last time of the season. The Dodgers are hot, and the Dodgers are only now a half game back of the Giants because of what the Brewers have been doing to this Giants team. So there was discussion on the national broadcast, which shout out to Fox. It was very nice to watch my team nationally and not have to go through the rigmarole of Bally Sports. And we'll see if Logan Webb does come out there on Thursday or if they go with another bullpen game. My guess is it will really matter if the Brewers win tonight or not. If the Brewers win tonight, I could see them go them definitely going with Logan Webb. If the Brewers lose, maybe they they push Logan Webb to Friday and say, "All right, well, and it, and we can we can survive losing this uh series um and still having a lead against the Dodgers." I think it all matters with what the Dodgers do. This is now getting into kind of the nitty-gritty of postseason baseball. I also can't believe that they don't have Dodgers-Giants on the entire weekend. 
They they have them on MLB Network on Friday night, Saturday night. MLB Network has the Sandlot. Great movie, but I would have Dodgers Giants on this entire weekend. Then ESPN does have them on Sat on Sunday. But still, like you gotta have that game. That that's a premier series right now with how good the NL West is. But I do think the Brewers can take the National League West. I think they've shown it now against all three teams. I think we have the proof that the Brewers are a World Series contender. I don't think we ever doubted that, right? Like, I think we never doubted that the Brewers were a World Series contender. The Brewers can, would contend for a World Series crown. That said, I think we what was lost there was the fact that the Brewers still needed to show themselves against the Giants. Now we can check every box off. They've played well against the Braves. They've had some good success against the Giants. Even if they lose these next two games and they're three and four against the Giants, I'm not going to shake my dick at that. Absolutely not. Because you know what? It's pretty tough to win three games in Oracle Park. Tough place to play. Giants are a very good team. They don't lose many series. And if they lose tonight, it'll be the, probably the first time I'd have to look at this season. Probably the first time all season the Giants have lost back-to-back series. So you have that. Then you have your success against the Padres. They play the Padres really well. They played the Dodgers well in, in four games. Now, I don't think we're going to get a true barometer on Brewers-Dodgers down the stretch because the Brewers and Dodgers play the final week of the season. And I don't think the Brewers will be needing to play anyone. I think the Brewers will have everybody on ice. It actually will work to the Dodgers' advantage as they're maybe trying to win the division. We'll see. It could be a situation where everybody's playing for Los Angeles and nobody is playing for Milwaukee as the Brewers are getting ready to likely play the Braves. But who knows? Maybe the Phillies slide in. Maybe the New York Mets slide in. The only team, and, and speaking of the Mets, that's the only team the Brewers have really struggled with, right? They've, they've struggled with the Mets. I think they haven't played the Phillies a second time. But they, they've only really struggled with the New York Mets. Like, the New York Mets gave them problems. The Phillies, I guess, did give them problems early on. But they had Yelich out. Kane was out. That was very, very early in the season. It was in early May. They had four in Philadelphia. So let's see what happens when Philly comes to town uh, in September. But, yes, very happy for the Brewers. 3-2 and two now on this road trip. Also note, if they're three and four on this road trip, a little disappointing, but not not the end of the world. Ten games up on the Cincinnati Reds heading into September. First time the Brewers have had a double-digit lead into September in their franchise history. I think the case can be made that this might be one of the best Brewer teams ever. Um, we'll obviously talk about that. It speaks to Craig Council and just his mastery. This will now, it's looking like four straight years for Craig Council in the postseason. I know yet last year was a Mickey Mouse award. I realized the year prior was a wild card berth. But the fact of the matter is, is they are a small market team. And to get to the playoffs four straight years is it's somewhat of a dynasty in a weird way, right? It's not exactly what you call a dynasty, but it is a dynasty in its own right because baseball is really tough. It's 162 games. You have no salary cap. You have major market teams bringing guys in at all costs and trying to win and yet the brewers rise above it and the brewers have been one of the most consistent teams in baseball along with tampa bay rays along with you know a few others um that we've seen houston astros i'd probably put in that mix i understand the astros had their cheating thing but they've been one of the more consistent franchises throughout the last 
five or six years. So we'll see. And I know Rob Manfred is like getting the shakes already of a potential Brewers Brewers Rays World Series. Brewers Rays World Series would be incredible, by the way. I hope everyone understands how good that series would be. I realize the ratings would be absolutely abysmal, especially because you have the Yankees involved, you have the Dodgers involved. Like the opportunity to get some bigger names is there. But the fact is, is like that to me is going to be an amazing series if it does in fact happen. Lastly, let's talk relocation. So because of Hurricane Ida, the Green Bay Packers will not be playing in New Orleans week number one. Where they will be playing is a little bit of a mystery. So it seemed like a done deal that Green Bay would be playing at AT&T Stadium, place they're very familiar with. They won a Super Bowl there years ago, um, and they like just beating up on the Cowboys there. Um, and they would be playing New Orleans. But the Cowboys have a, or AT&T Stadium has a concert Three days later, the turnaround time just really isn't going to work. So the Packers Saints idea for that is out. Now, I know some people are like, Jerry Jones loves money more than life itself. When there's a will, there's a way. I don't know, man, that, that's a hell of a turnaround time. The only really way that could happen is if you do like a Saturday game. But there's no way the NFL would put this game on Saturday. They'll have this game as part of their Fox broadcast. It's a Buck Aikman game. There's no way they would sacrifice this to a Saturday, a Saturday game. So that kicks Dallas out. So three available, and this was the help of my guy, Eric, who ruined this, this experiment for me. Um, but I appreciate it nonetheless. You have Arizona, Jacksonville, Miami that are all available. I did not look at concerts for Jacksonville and Miami because I think they're the worst options of the three. Jacksonville is hot as hell. Like you playing outside in Jacksonville would not be fun for anybody. I don't think anyone would enjoy playing in Jacksonville and the market size is just not that great. Like if we look at the Jacksonville weather, for the next few few days, okay? Your 10-day forecast in Duval, you're looking at a crisp 89 with probably a ton of humidity, winds from the east, obviously a chance for rain. Yeah, humidity at 69%. There's no way that Green Bay and New Orleans would want to play in Jacksonville. Now, Miami, they have a covered roof. I think there would be a lot of intrigue there, a lot of casual fans. But at the same time, Miami has grass inside their stadium. Miami, the Hurricanes play there. The Dolphins play there. They're, I don't think that they would want another team ripping up that turf. That turf, to me, is very sensitive. Gives a lot of Soldier Field vibes. It's not as bad. But I don't think they want to rip up that turf. I think they keep it out of Miami. I think the only option here is Arizona. Why Arizona? Because, A, you it's climate controlled you have a roof so no matter what the weather is outside you are nice and cold inside there's no concerts to worry about you have fan base of the packers that is in arizona like granted it's a little early for snowbirds but you're telling me that a bunch of people who have houses out in arizona won't come in for the game you'll have people that will want to go to that game. You also probably, the Saints travel well, and hopefully you know people are doing well and, and not necessarily hit too hard from the hurricane, and if they are, can make the trip there. And maybe there are Saints fans you know, in Oklahoma or in Arkansas 
or in even maybe Tennessee or Alabama, Mississippi, who want to go check out the Texans and head out to Phoenix for this game. So to make it more of a fan experience, because I'm sure it will not be a sellout, but at least then you get an idea of having a crowd. So it's obviously a real bummer for the Superdome, who is going to be full for the first time. It's a huge advantage for the Green Bay Packers, okay? It probably swings the line by three. Um, they took the line off a lot of the sports books. The Packers were favored by three. I'm an absolute idiot for not getting that. I think it'll be up to six um, as a neutral site because you usually give three to the home team. So if that's the case and it's now neutral, I think you'll be Packers by six. Still very teasable. I still probably will bet it at six, honestly, because Green Bay, I think, is that much better than New Orleans. I think New Orleans is kind of on a season from hell trajectory start. I know that's a little bit of a Bill Simmons thing, but he's right on that. He hasn't really had that take on New Orleans, but New Orleans has a season of how it looked to them. Their kicker's out. Their tight end's out. Michael Thomas is not there. It's Marquez Callaway and everybody else. It's Jameis still getting comfortable with the system. Can Jameis not force passes in there? Uh, they're running attack. Yeah, you have Alvin Kamara, but what does Alvin Kamara look like with Jameis Winston back there versus Drew Brees? I don't know. Uh, that's a question to be answered. Yes, they have a good offensive line, but I just think there's a ton of and ton of questions about the Saints at this point of the season, and that's where I think the Packers can take advantage, and that's why I expect the line to be about six or seven, and I do think Arizona will be the location. It has not been announced yet, but I imagine the Brewers, the, Brewers, the Packers, will tell their team to be prepared to go to Arizona, and that will be, that'll be two times there in Arizona as Packers do also travel out there for uh, the Cardinals game, which is on a Thursday night. So yes, it's a little bit of a body clock issue, right? Because the game is an hour behind, but it is what it is. It's not like they're playing it at 11 a.m. in Arizona. They're still playing it at 325. So that is another reason why I think Arizona works is it's also a late afternoon game as is. So you don't need to futz with the schedule at all. All right, that does it for our show. Back tomorrow. Um, maybe we'll do some college football tomorrow. College football kind of kicks off. There's a lot of games uh, on Thursday. So we'll do, you know, what to watch uh, Badger-wise in terms of, like, the games that we're most excited for. Uh, Mitch and I will do a little more on college football on Friday when him and I get back into it. I need to text our guy Mitch to tell him we're doing a podcast on Thursday. I also realized midway through this show today, a little behind the scenes, I taped a podcast last Wednesday. I never got it up on the website. I never got it up. It was about Brewers being World Series contenders. I'm pretty sure I deleted it. I have no idea where it is. Um, so that that is on me. It's a good look. It's a good life lesson, if we will, um, of me trying to do too much. So sorry for that. Um, I didn't realize that I've left you guys hanging for that long. You should. Someone should have said something. If you don't see a podcast, I'll just put this. I know there are some of you that contact me a lot, and you guys are my guys and gals for that. If for some reason you do not see a podcast during the week, just reach out. And I haven't said anything. Like, I haven't like, oh, no podcast. No, I, just shoot me a note at least. Just be like, where's, where's the podcast? So I feel bad that I missed that, guys. So, so sorry. We are back, though, and it's been a joy to be back. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a good one. We'll talk tomorrow. Bye.